lays out the question, the argument, and the conclusion of what this love means. He starts, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love uh, God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The word of God, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may grow in love today and understand how you have made possible through this wonderful relationship, eternal life, for fulfillment of souls and lives that matter. Lord, we ask that you bless us today, that we may grow deeper in this time, that we may grow in grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture is so important because what it does is it takes this concept, the idea of love, and puts it into a practical application. And that application is a test. The scripture is actually a test. It's a trial of being a Christian. Uh, how do we know we're Christians? Well, we know we are Christians by his love. That's what that great song that we've sung before. It says, to know love is to know God, is what John is describing. So we know that God, he loves us. We know he loves us. John is arguing. He is saying we know he loves us because he sent his only son for us. Now we've heard this time and time again, but let's look at it in the relationship we have with God. God has given us something. He's given us his son's life. He's given us his son's life so that we can have life. God has given us something we could not give ourselves, which is life. Because all we have is death. All we have is hate. All we have is anger. If you want to see that, look at today's world that we live in. There is so much hate in this world. There is so much anger in this world. There are so many negative things that are happening in this world. 
Yet we know that even though all this is taking place, God's love is greater than this world. So the test, the first part of the test, is understanding that God loves you. And, and, and that's a big deal. That's a hurdle. That's a hard thing to jump over. Because if we understand God loves us, then we understand, too, he expects us to love him. And that's a reciprocal relationship. That's where not only does God love us, but we love God. And we love God by what? By following the Ten Commandments, which says, have no other what? Gods before me. In other words, we show our love for God when we worship God and God alone as our creator. Understand God has three natures that we understand. God the creator, God the redeemer, and God the sustainer. God the creator is the creator God who made the heavens and the earth. God looked into the void. He created, as we know, the elements that make up the creation that we read in Genesis, the first chapter, and we read about God creating this creation because of love. See, God is creator, and he loves us because he has created the place that we live. He's given us life. It, it just amazes me how much money and time and science we're putting in looking for aliens. Every single week, I read multiple articles where scientists are looking for aliens. We're trying our best. We are looking out there. We're listening to the sounds of the uh, of, of just the universe. We're trying to pick up alien signals. We're trying to figure out if there's anything out there. And what amazes me is that just think about it. If there had been, or if there will be, don't you think there would be at least an echo, an echo? of something, but we're the only noise on the block. We're the only ones making noise. This is a noisy planet we live on. We are noisy people. It's the truth. It's not just a house down the street from you. We are noisy because when you're alive, you make noise. And when you make noise, you're showing that you're present. And yet there's a deafening, deadly silence that's coming from the whole universe. So I'm saying, what are we finding? We are the only ones. What if we look out into the, to the depths of space and we see all these potential of life and yet there's nothing and we find out we're the only one? Sisters and brothers, God made us for purpose. He made us for a reason. He made us for his beauty. See, God made us because he loves us. He didn't make us because he hates us. He didn't make us because he somehow has it out for us. He loves us. Now you got to realize that the pagan gods of Rome and Greece before them and Egypt before them, they talked as the poly, as the many, as the many gods made humanity for their pleasure in the sense that they toyed with us. And if you read about these ancient beliefs in God, we're no more than puppets on the stream. You ever notice the cover for, you know, the Godfather, it shows a puppet on the stream. Somehow it's believed that we're being controlled by something greater. No, God didn't make us to control us. He made us to set us free. He made us that love may be fulfilled. See, God loves us because he's given us a chance to live our life, to choose, to make decisions, to live our life. We want to choose to be a good fan. We can choose to be a good fan. We want to choose God have mercy to be any other fan. Including the Carolina fan. See, 
See, he's given us free will. He's given us purpose. He said, okay, get your life. Here it is. Go and live it. You're free. But understand everything you do has a cost. Everything you do has a consequence. Every step you take, there must be a sacrifice. Understand there's no way you can get through this unless you do what I've done for you, which is have love. See, God's given us love. In fact, you know how I think it happened. I think literally God pulled a piece of his heart out and he cast it into this singularity called the universe. I think the very universe is made up of the nature of God and his love. I think he pulled love out of himself and he made into being the light that shines and creates life among us. That's what John is saying. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. So when we show this creative nature of God, which is love. And then now, now, maybe we need to backtrack a little bit, because love's on every song there is on the country western state. They didn't call it country western anymore, did they? I don't think they do. They just call it country. If you listen to any type of music or watch any type of movie, it's love lost, love gained, love is everywhere. People talk about love, yet nobody has love, and yet we have this duality of love and hate shown in our culture and our society and people think they got to hate something or love something. There's no more middle ground in the sense I want to get to know it. It's either you got to hate it or love it and instantly we push a button and we have an opinion and we think somehow we can make an existence out of that opinion. God forbid we ever reach the point that Facebook decides our politics or our decisions and life because we as a people can't even keep our minds straight one day, let alone a year or many years. We become so opinionated and we think love is something we can fall into and fall out of. In other words, we go get that flower. You know that flower that's out there? It's a flower out there. Go ahead and get you one. And you can say, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Always make sure you count your flowers. Make sure they got the right number. <laughs> so you'll win. Don't just leave it up to chance. Make sure you got the right number before you start pulling off those petals so that when you end up, he loves me. Oh, see, even the flowers are telling me. See, see, love is not so, love is not so fragile as that. Love is the creative energy of God. We're the ones who are fragile. It's not that we've fallen out of love, it's that we have fallen. Not love. God's love, it's always there. It's holding us together in spite of ourselves. See, God loves us. The other day, this was this poor guy, this poor guy, Lord Evans. He's going to kill himself. That's what the news said. He's going to kill himself. He was up on a bridge. He was threatening to jump. The police were there, and he was going to jump. And you know you jump off an overpass, and that's not a good thing. Uh, even a shortfall can be a very bad fall. This was at least 20, 30 feet, maybe more. And he's threatening to kill himself. And so what do the police do? They're trying to talk him down. But then one of them says, I'm going to call one of these 18 wheelers. And they called the 18 wheeler. You know, the truckers. Where you at, Randall? The truckers. You know what I'm talking about? The 18 wheelers. And he called the little truckers to come. And not just one come, but like a dozen of them come and they parked directly underneath the other pass. So instead of it being a deadly jump, he was only going to fall four feet. Because <laughs> the trucks had formed a new level for him to fall to. And he figured, well, I can't kill myself this way. I might as well give up. And he gave up to the police. So he didn't know it. He had just been loved. 
by a bunch of truckers. Now, could you imagine that? A bunch of old truckers that go drive around and blow their horn at people and drive the way they do. God bless them all. And this case stepped in and saved this man's life. Now, I hope he's grateful because he was just loved. He was just shown the wonderful nature of God. In fact, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So any true love that we encounter comes from God, and we need to realize that God is the creator of love. Not only did he create the universe, not only did he create life, not only did he create us, he created this active state called love that we need more of. In fact, if you are down, love is the only thing that can lift you up. If you are hopeless, love is the only thing that can give you hope. If you are seeing darkness, the only thing that can shine light in your life is love. Love has the power to overcome all things. Love allows us to overcome even the most moments of life where we're challenged the most. When we don't know where to turn, we don't know what to do. Love abides. Love holds us. And love sustains us. See, whoever does not have love, John says, does not know God. That's why there's a lot of people confused by God right now. Well, they're trying to make God into not God, but something they want to be God instead of how God truly is. See, God is love. Now, people say, how can God be love? You've been watching the story about the little child in England, the one who just died. The family wanted to take the child to Italy so the child could be closer to spiritual sources and there could be closer prayers. You know, in England, they give a lot of power to the doctor. The doctor selected that the child would not leave, and there was a court battle, and the parents lost, and the child just died. And I looked at the picture of the child, and the child, of course, uh, is in just any child, a little baby, a little cute baby, but the child was smiling in the picture I looked at. I was thinking to myself about my own children, about Leon and me, and parents, and our children, and how I was there in their births, and I saw them come into the world, and how much I love them, no matter where they are, or where they're doing, that my love is there for them, even though I wish it could be close, I wish it could be closer, the truth is, love abides, and love makes it where all things are possible, and no matter what happens, I know this love will hold me. See, John is saying that if you love God, you have love. You know what love does. And he says, but if you don't know God, you don't know love. So that should explain why people can be so mean. Because <laughs> they don't know God. they just rude. Have y'all heard the word rude a lot lately? <coughs> Has this word fallen out of use? I don't think I've heard it a lot anymore. I don't think I've heard like it used to ask girl. That's just rude, dude. That's just rude. It's like rude. Rude used to be a word. Oh, my Lord, if a teacher ever used rude in the old days, you were up the creek without a paddle. You're rude. Oh, my Lord, don't call me rude. You can call me mean, but don't call me rude because rude is just, rude used to have a lot more power than it does, see. But now we live in a culture that somehow people think that rude is good, but they think the only way they can get anywhere is being rude, and unfortunately they may be telling the truth. Because we live in a world that doesn't base itself upon love, it bases itself upon hate. Hating one another, hating things instead of loving, to have love. Every home should have love. Every day should start out with I love you, and every 
would I love you? Love should be the language of the family. The Christians know this. We even know God knows this. We know this because God is love. We want love to abide in this house. We want it to live here. We want it to grow here. Love is our response to God. And the reason we love, John is saying to pass the test, you know you are Christian because you love. Not that God loves, you love. Which brings us to the next point. Love leads to life. Not to death. Love leads to relationship building. There's a lot of drama in relationships. You know that. There's a lot of drama in relationships. She loves me. She loves me. You know, you play with the flowers. You start to think about life and the way it's lived. My Lord, have mercy. There's so much drama in everything that takes place. But understand that it's not about the drama. It's about the living. God has called us to be a people who claim the life. And he says here in the 13th verse, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Love produces life. When we have more love in our hearts, our lives are more fulfilled. You want to tell if a culture has love? If it has started to decline in its life. Not just the quantity of life, but the quality of life. Sisters and brothers, it's a wonderful thing when we're able to not only love, but to have life in response to the love we've been given. We claim the child that we hold. We claim the life that we're given. We claim where God has placed us. We accept where we are. It's just like that wonderful lesson, Susan. We're not divine. We're not the ones growing. Jesus is taking us where we need to go. We're just hanging on for the right. We're the branches. We're the ones that produce the fruit. And the fruit we produce is love. And it's nutritious. And it's wonderful. And it's a thing to behold. See, he's describing to us that we are the ones who are alive. We are the ones in this moment God has given the opportunity for love to show what it truly does. That we're fruitful and we multiply. We have ministry. We have it more abundantly. We do what we're supposed to do, and when we do, we're blessed for doing it. We somehow have lost sight that happy is the home where God is there, where there's love there, and there's life there, and there's life there. In fact, this whole former part of John talks about God is life. Now he's describing God as love. He's saying that in this love of God, we are alive, and we claim this life that we are a part of. And we've seen, it says, and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us so we may love others. See, see that's a good point. Sometimes it's hard to love other people. Sometimes it's hard to love people who are mean and who are rude. I've been reading excerpts of The Fisherman's Tomb, the new book that's come out uh, just the past few months about the burial place of the Apostle Peter. It was started uh, by one of the poets who uh, had been reading ancient texts. He was a history poet who had been working in the library. He was made the poet, and he had this idea because he had read an ancient text that Peter was buried under the Vatican Mount, and it was during the 
back and forth as was taking place or right before. And so he went to this man in Texas who made a lot of money off of oil. And this man funded this secret project looking for the bones of St. Peter underneath the Vatican. So they started digging. And this man gave billions of dollars, even one of the Nazis and the Italians, but that were all dark, were marching outside the Vatican gates. They started digging underneath because they had been digging there when one pope died and when the workers fell through and landed 20 feet under the Vatican and realized there was a whole other town underneath the Vatican that had been forgotten about. And as they were digging, they found the grave of this young Christian woman and it dawned on them they were on to something and so now they have finished their task, they had dug, you can even take a tour if you go to the Vatican, and they have found the bones of St. Peter buried directly underneath the Vatican. And they know it's Peter because they can tell the way it's a 60-some-year-old man who's very stout, who's very strong, and whose feet have been cut off. I know that's hard to hear, but what it tells us is that he was crucified upside down, which he was. All history says that Peter said, I'm not worthy to die the way my Lord died. So when they crucified him, the Romans flipped him upside down. And when they took him off the cross, they just cut his feet off instead of pulling him loose. So now you can go there and see the place where Peter was buried. And right just a few yards away, they found where Paul was buried. And 400 yards away is where Nero was. So in other words, the Roman emperor who cut Peter to death is shown to have lived only a few hundred yards while the Christians were underneath in the ancient catacombs there worshiping the Lord, knowing they could lose everything if word got out about them. How did this fledgling faith that teaches basic tenets of love survive such horrible how did love survive? That's a question that everyone in faith must ask, and even the world must ask. Because if that was Peter, a fisherman, who ended up in Rome crucified, then surely our Lord existed. For are we to doubt it? The thing they discovered is the very markings on the wall and the things written on the wall are the same things we believe now. Our faith has not been added on to. There's nothing to add on to it. It doesn't have to be validated and proven. It is what it is. God is love. God so loves the world that he gave his son in love to the world to show the world what love is so we may love one another and claim the love that is life. And not only life, but life eternal. See? Now, I'm not of, uh, you know, the Roman Catholic belief system. I'm part of the Church of England. As you know, as Methodists, we came out of the Church of England. We're part of a, a movement of people who believe in the power of grace. But I can tell you right now, i got nothing against people. And I definitely hold Paul. And I can tell you that my Lord is able to overcome. Imagine Peter there at the very end of his life after preaching love and showing love, being the bishop of Antioch, 
and now he finds himself facing his own death on the cross there to be crucified in front of the empire that his love for people is what was able to transform the very culture that put him to death. See, what can win the day for America is love. But if you know what they're doing, they're trying to create a culture where there's no more forgiveness. So if you did something wrong 20 years ago, they'll hold it against you. And now it's one thing, and tomorrow it'll be another thing. And it won't be one group, it'll be every group. And they'll turn on their own just like evil does and hate does. Hate always turns on its own. You know who kills most people. You know who most murderers are. They're not strangers. They're family members. Hate turns on its own, but love builds up each other. Love produces life, not hate. It doesn't produce destruction. Love's able to overcome. And if it comes through one, it's able to spread. And then pretty soon, everybody is showing peace and harmony and forgiveness and all the elements of love. And we're showing God in our midst. We must love our way through this. That's the only way we're going to get through this. I've been to the edge of the grave. I know what it is, how tough it is in life. I know what it is to say goodbye to those you love. But the only thing that would get you through that is more love, not less. What gets you through is more love, not less. So you love more. When it's been taken away, you claim more. When you feel like it's falling away, you hold more. Love allows you to face the uh, insurmountable odds and be able to claim a portion of glory. And in that moment, you know that love is life. And not only life, but our God is first. He's first. He's first. Our God is number one. Our God is the only God. So you don't know what's happening. It's real simple. If you look at the history, you'll start to understand. The ancients believed in many gods. They had gods of water, gods of clouds, gods of trees, gods of birds, gods of grass. They had a polytheistic view. And then the world entered a phase about 2,000 years ago where it was monotheistic, one, which mono means one God. And so the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and even in the belief systems of Islam, the one God emerged. But now we're in a phase where there's no gods. So it's gone from many to one to zero to none. And people now are trying to live their lives with no God. They're trying to live their lives with no God. And I can tell you where that's going to end up. They're going to hate everybody. Because they're going to look in the mirror and they're going to hate themselves. So they're going to realize they're not good enough. They're going to realize no matter what they justify, what they think they can atone for, what they think they can buy their way out of, they are miserable, wretched souls. There is no hope. Do you think science is our salvation? I love science. I study science. I read science. I'm studying quantum physics right now, of all things, because it fascinates me, this mystery of eternal inside of the finite. But beyond that, understand science, science, Science doesn't give me one more ounce of love. I can chemically know the responses of my body towards Leon, and I love her. She is my wife. She is my betrothed. I adore her. She's my number one. I love her so much. Uh, and y'all can tell I'm looking for a good supper tonight. <laughs> 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 they got Leon's out there. 
understand my love for her is not just a chemical reaction. It's not the excitement of the moment. It's not just me thinking a certain way and psychological just uh, this configuration in my brain. Love is not a computer program that I can turn on and off. It's not somehow a pheromone that can be released. It's not somehow a science that can be figured out. Love is beyond this because love is not of this realm. Love belongs to God, and God is the Lord. And God has put as the foundation of all things love. In other words, if we dig deep enough, if we look hard enough, we will find the answer in love, no matter what the trouble is we are going through. If our life is being tested, if we are being tested, we're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what the news is going to be. Let us not forget God has given us love. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the first thing he gave us is his love through the life. God said, let what there be light. And he gave us love through the light. And we can know God by knowing his love. He says, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. And I'll end there. On the day of judgment. Judgment is coming. It's not like um, somebody, you know, has some crazy idea. Who, who's that girl, wrestler, Rhonda, Rhonda, what's her name? What's her name? Rhoda Rhonda, Rhonda Rhoda. You know, Browns. What? Rhonda Browns. Browns. Thank you. Rhonda Rhoda. If I were a school teacher, y'all would know the answer because I couldn't even call your names right. You know, you well, did you know she believes the end times here? Her and her husband, they got a farm. Southern California, where they're raising their own vegetables, and they got their own livestock, and she thinks particularly goats are good for the apocalypse, which fascinated me. I didn't know goats had that power, you know. Well, she's there because she firmly believes the world is about to end. So she's got a farm, and she's raising her own, and she said in her article about it, she said, and the reason I'm doing this is because uh, I'm the top people who can, you know, survive the apocalypse. My genetic stock is the one that is needed. Well, that seemed kind of high-minded for somebody who got hooked up on by another girl a while back. And it also seems high-minded that she got her farm and she got her goats, but she don't know her neighbor. I don't see no love in what she's doing. Only, only self, only selfishness, only pride, only ego. I see somebody who maybe got to get in their hands too much, and her parents need to pull her aside and say, listen here, little Ronnie Rondo. <laughs> you just need to go sit down. Because you're not thinking straight right now. Why are you scared of something ending when you haven't even begun? Why are you scared it's over and it hasn't even started? Why are you giving up on the potential of love when you haven't even shown love? What if you take your goats and you give the milk as a mission to other people? And what if you show that you have compassion in your heart and invite people to come and, and, and so partake of your vegetables, especially your butter beans? And why in the world are, are you secluding yourself behind the wall instead of opening up and letting people into your life? Because you're not showing what hope is made of. You're showing what hopelessness is made of. 
same promise that he's created you to be his son. 